Welcome to Chronically Driven, a podcast about being in the driver's seat and leading an empowered, thriving life. I'm Sandra Sova, and in the past four years, I've gone from leading a completely sedentary lifestyle dependent on more prescriptions than I care to say, and with a handful of unhealthy coping habits to get me through the day, to someone who is fully present and enjoying life and is in the best shape I've been in mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Developing healthy habits and finding ways to reinvent my life has and continues to be a very rewarding journey. Along the way, I've had the opportunity to meet with and hear from some amazing individuals who share their journeys and experiences so we can all learn from each other. So let's climb into the driver's seat. This is Chronically Driven. You have likely heard of Dr. Stephen R. Covey, author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Originally published in 1989, his concepts and ideas have been a springboard for many in both their business and personal lives. The first habit is independence. Be proactive. This concept looks at how we respond to the stimulus around us and whether we are responding in a proactive or reactive way. I wanted to talk about this today because of the amount of stress, anxiety, and even fear that some people have been experiencing based on what is going on in the world. And I get it. However, my intention of bringing this today is to bring awareness to Covey's concept and teachings in this area as they bring a useful reminder for us all on how our emotional state has an effect on our physical and mental health at every level. Being in a chronic state of fear, and chronic again means ongoing and constantly reoccurring, if we are in a chronic state of stress, that's going to take a toll. If we're in a chronic state of anxiety, that too is going to erode away at well-being. How could it not? The last one though, fear, this is the most damaging of all. I've been researching the short-term and long-term effects of experiencing the feeling of fear on an ongoing basis, and how beyond being physically debilitating, it impacts the way our brain works, the way we process information, our ability to think and make decisions. Keeping our minds in our own control is a pretty important feature of being a human. So let's listen to a bit of what Stephen Covey has to say. Now we want to look at the foundational habit, habit one, to be proactive. Why foundational? Because all of the other habits flow out of it. If habit one is present, you can cultivate the other six. If it is not present, you will not cultivate the other six. Habit one, be proactive, basically means that your life is a product of your values, not your feelings. That your life is a product of your decisions, not your conditions. The opposite of being proactive is to be reactive, which basically means that your life is a function 
of your feelings, your moods, your impulses, other people's treatment. The underlying principle of habit one, be proactive, is to take responsibility. How many here feel better when the weather outside is great? There's physiological reasons for that. Endorphins are released, chemical substances inside the mind through sunlight. How many do better when you feel better? That means we're reactive to the physical culture. If you were proactive, you would carry your weather within you, regardless of the physical culture. And through exuding positive energy and smiling, you also release endorphins. What about the social culture? How many feel better when you're treated better? How many do better when you feel better? That's being reactive to the social weather, the social culture. What if you could learn to carry your social weather inside so that you can be consistent in extremely difficult, adverse situations in pursuing worthy purposes and living by natural laws or principles? That's what it means to be proactive. Don't let the things you can do nothing about interfere with the things you can do a great deal about. In fact, for the first several years of life, until the time of self-awareness around seven, eight, nine years old, there is no separation between stimulus and response. So that whatever stimulus went in here went right into the response. And the psychic scarring is there. The genetic tendencies are there. As soon as self-awareness begins to take place, there's a separation. This space, this freedom, and power to choose, then those tendencies are still there. So we're powerfully influenced by genetic and psychic forces. They're there. But we still have this space. The point is, you still have this freedom to choose. Even if it's that much, work on it. This whole idea of I am a product of something instead of I am the programmer that chooses my response to that product. Environmental determinism embraces the whole concept of external cultural influences. Again, without any question, we're influenced by those factors. They need to be factored in, but not determined. That's why habit one is the habit of personal vision. You can choose your response by the exercise of that freedom, that power to choose, the highest of the powers. In that space are four human endowments. Self-awareness, imagination, conscience, and independent will. Frankel could envision himself. He could see himself in a whole different situation. A company can envision its future. That's why they say the essence of leadership is vision and the ability to create a culture around that vision so that there's commitment toward that vision that is common. 
so that everyone exercises collectively their imagination. Even though they have this awareness of the swamp-like culture they're in now, they're aware, see, self-aware. They stand apart and can examine. If we live out of our memory, we're tied to the past and to that which is finite. When we live out of our imagination, we're tied to that which is infinite. That's unbelievable potentiality because we barely scratched what is inside of us. And then independent will. We can act on that imagination. We can act on that conscience. The universal conscience. The universal conscience of all mankind. And we can act upon it. We could swim upstream. We could go against the current. You need all four human endowments to optimize. Self-awareness is not sufficient. In my opinion, it's focused on too much. The constant exploration of one's past and the psychic and social scarring that took place. Not that it is not helpful and useful. I think it is. But it is not sufficient. It gets imbalanced if you don't use your imagination to create something new, to find a new meaning, a new value, a new future. It's self-awareness plus imagination plus conscience plus independent will. The key is to take time to pause in that space to tap into those human endowments. Self-awareness imagination, conscience, and independent will then begin to act small, slow ways. The beauty and simplicity of what Stephen Covey teaches us in this first habit is that when we are proactive instead of reactive, we always have the choice of how we want to respond to something. And that in turn equates to how we feel and how we experience life. We have always had this power, this ability, if you will, just like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. She had the power all along. The thing is, when we are overstimulated by outside events or influence, and we find ourselves in a perpetual state of worry, stress, anxiety, or fear, our brains little, literally can't remember to do this. It's that fight or flight response, and it produces high levels of cortisol in our bodies, just to name one thing. It's also a real miserable way to live. At a surface level, it's whether you're in the driver's seat when it comes to your life. Are you behind the wheel going through and experiencing life on your terms? Or are you on the guided bus tour being shown what to see and experience? That's pretty powerful, if you ask me. Here now is some more from Stephen Covey. You can usually tell a person's proactive or reactive nature by listening to their language. It's kind of the fingerprint of where the locus of control is, whether it's inside or outside, really. I can't do this, have to do this. I had a student one time. Would you excuse me from class? I have to go on a tennis trip. I said, what, what? We just finished talking about 
how the language of the proactive person is, I choose to, I prefer to, yes, no, I will. The language of the reactive person, I have to, I must, if only, I can't, I haven't time. I'm low man on the totem pole, look what's above me. The people who need this aren't here, or if they are here, they're not getting it. I was going through all of that. He said, excuse me, from class, next week I have to go on the tennis trip. He said, what? I have to go on the tennis trip. You, you what? I have to go. You have to go? You have to go? Oh, yeah. What will happen if you don't go? They'll kick me off the team. Seems like a natural consequence to me. If you don't go on the trips, you can't be on the team. What will happen if you don't come to my class? I don't know. What's the natural consequence of not coming to class? I don't know. I mean, think. <laughs> what naturally will happen if you don't come to class? Well, I mean, you wouldn't kick me out, would you? Well, that, that, that would be a social consequence. That's artificial. It's not natural. If you won't participate, you shouldn't be on the team. On a tennis team, that would be natural. What will naturally happen if you don't come to class? I guess I'd miss the learning. That's right. I know if it were me, I'd choose to go on the tennis trip. <laughs> but never say you have to do anything. You have the power to choose. He meekly said, I choose to go on the tennis trip <laughs> and miss my class. <laughs> you're always working with an analysis of alternative consequences and then you're making a choice about the actions. Remember, you can choose your actions, but you cannot choose the consequences. They're governed by natural laws or principles. You may be in some environments where they're governed by social values, social rules, then you may have to make some tough decisions, either to become a change catalyst in some way or to seek elsewhere, particularly if you've done a lot of sharpening the saw professionally, personally, and have all kinds of options because you are not economically dependent. You're economically independent. That doesn't mean wealthy. That means you have the power to produce sufficient wealth for your needs and the needs of your family. Why? Because your skills are not obsolete. Think on it this way. Two circles. The larger outer circle, you call the circle of concern. Things you're concerned about. Things you're worried about. But then there is an inner circle. It's very small. That are concerns you have influence over. Where do proactive people focus their energies? Which circle? The inner circle. Where do reactive people focus their energies? The outer circle. Why? Because they're victimized. Look at this person I have to live with. At these kids. They're driving me crazy. Why do you choose to go crazy? Well, I mean, what else could you do? <laughs> what else could you do? Well, I don't know. Think. 
I don't know. Think. What other alternatives do you have other than going crazy? I don't know. <laughs> Think hard. <laughs> I guess I could maybe try to rebuild a relationship to a point that we could come up with some discipline agreements. What's your choice? You have the power. Always treat people as if they're proactive. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Stephen Covey. The full talk touches on some very interesting aspects and goes more in-depth. If you're interested to check it out, I've linked a copy of the full-length YouTube video in the show notes on the podcast. Knowing that we have the power to choose how we react and if we understand and accept the concept of wanting to be more proactive versus reactive, how would we go about doing that, especially if we are feeling anxious or stressed? Being able to self-regulate and to, as Covey says, respond based on our values, not our emotions. Another way of looking at this is that we're creating space, stepping back from the situation so that we can decide how we really feel about it, what it means to us, and if it actually impacts us. This is the opposite of a knee-jerk reaction response. If you're looking to break the cycle of chronic stress, anxiety, or fear, how would you go about that? Where would you start? First, a tiny disclaimer. As with everything talked about on this show, we are not presenting medical or health advice, but simply sharing information for the purpose of discussion. We talk about how being in a constant or chronic state of fear, for example, can be extremely damaging to us physically and mentally. And it's also a serious contribute contributor to a lowered immune system and increased inflammation. According to Psychology Today, to make matters worse, low-grade cortisol baths seem to be the biggest immune culprit of oil. These baths are similar to influxes of cortisol all day long, primarily due to a stress-dominated thought process. It is estimated that we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day, primarily repetitive and primarily negative. When added to the concept that your brain in many ways doesn't know the difference between what you vividly imagine or worry about and what is real, you can see the damage your panic may be wreaking on your risk of contracting illness. When stress, anxiety, Worry, overwhelm, depression, and isolation are left unchecked, they actually reduce the effectiveness of your immune system and make you and those around you much more susceptible to getting sick. When your immune system is challenged, you're more likely to contract illness. And according to RN.com, when stress becomes chronic and mismanaged, it is determinant to our health and well-being. Examples of unhealthy stress include inadequate recovery from physical, mental, and emotional stress of any kind. This could be related to constant worrying and repetitive thoughts, 
and even emotions such as depression and anxiety. Prolonged stress leads to hyperphysiological physiological levels of cortisol. This alters the effectiveness of cortisol to regulate both the inflammatory and the immune response because it decreases tissue sensitivity to cortisol. Although the human body heals, inflammation becomes a response to stress. Like stress, inflammation is beneficial, although when stress becomes chronic, it can lead to constant tissue breakdown and impairment of the immune system. Stephen Cohen, PhD, professor of psychology at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, has stressed, has said, stressed people's immune cells become less sensitive to cortisol. They're unable to regulate the inflammatory response and therefore more likely to develop a cold. Now that was from Professor Cohen in 2004. And the one from Psychology Today was a more recent sighting. But basically referencing those to say that it's not just anecdotal. Not being in a constant or chronic state of stress is really super important. So how do we create that pause? What can we do to move out of an anxious state and into one that feels more grounded and more in control? We've talked about this topic before, and so much of this is on replay of what I'm always highlighting as the healthy habits that include mindfulness, awareness, exercise, and essential oils. Using essential oils to better manage my response to stress was where this whole thing started for me. I know firsthand what unchecked stress can do. The impact on our immune system and inflammatory response alone makes it worth getting a handle on. My personal journey of not managing stress had me at a real crisis point. Since then, I have relied on and used essential oils to help me create that space, that break, that pause that's needed in order to regain composure and to be able to make the choices on how I want to respond instead of just being in reaction mode. So I'm going to share with you some of the things that I have learned You know, plants are amazing. And since the beginning of time, medicine women, healers, and shamans have known of the healing properties from bark, roots, flowers, and trees. Nature is smart and provides us with tools we need to heal and restore. Going far beyond their aroma, Using essential oils to support wellness is even becoming recognized more in the mainstream medical community. Why? Because it works. Any discussion about essential oils and plant essences when it comes to wellness needs to include a word about quality. It is commonly known that most oils that are on the shelves today are of such a low grade that they're designed as fragrance oils, meaning that they contain things other than the pure essence of the plant. 
even if it is bottled as 100% pure, chances are that it is either a synthetic created in a lab to mimic the scent, or it could be uh, partially a plant product and cut with some fillers. And, you know, it, even if it does contain a minuscule amount of the actual essential oil, in any of these circumstances, it is very unlikely, it is completely unlikely that the oil would perform in any sort of medicinal or therapeutic way that you were hoping it would. However, don't be discouraged. Quality essential oils are available and once you know what to look for and how to spot the fakes, you can work with actual plant medicine and start receiving the incredible results. So what are these magical potions I speak of? Well, here are a few of my favorites. And I'm going to be referencing a new essential oil book that I've just received. It is by authored by the a renowned aromatherapist Francesca Watson. And I'm really falling in love with the descriptions. And a few of the ones I wanted to share with you, they're not obscure oils, but they're they're not your um, that you're, you know, your everyday lemon or lavender. So I thought I would pick some and tell you a little bit about their properties and how they work with our moods and emotions. We've been talking a lot about stress and overwhelm and feelings of that nature. And so that's where we're going to take a look at when it comes to the oils. Now, when I am feeling stressed or overwhelmed or anxious, I tend to now go a little bit beyond just thinking of, oh, okay, I need to relax, I need to calm down. Because I like to dig a little deeper and go back to what is it that is actually going on with me? What are the, th the things I'm thinking that are causing me to feel this way? So I've chosen a couple of oils and I'm gonna read the descriptions and it kind of paints the picture of what I'm talking about. The first one is cedar wood. Now cedar wood is a really nice oil. It is um, woodsy, of course, and it's quite mild and it's very, um, it has sort of a masculine scent to it as well. The properties that are described for cedar wood is that it clears the mind when it's clogged with anxiety and nervous tension and that it can help relax the analytical mind. Okay, so raise your hand. Any other overthinkers out there, especially when it comes time to settle in for a night's rest? I'm raising my hand. I used to be so plagued by that. So having an oil like cedar wood that helps to relax the analytical mind, that is absolutely perfect. And that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. The next one I wanted to talk about is sandalwood. So sandalwood is known to help cast out cynicism, cynicism and obsessive thinking. So if we're feeling frustrated but by what's going on in the world, a scent like sandalwood can help create some space in our mind and replace that loop that is going on over and over again, causing us to be stressed with something else. So 
you know, getting rid of the cynicism and the obsessive thinking is a really great way to shut down that busyness, that busy mind, and clear that space and that moment to choose to think and feel a different way. The next one is patchouli. Now you probably know of patchouli and maybe think of um, sort of from from the hippies and the you know weed smoking and incense but patchouli essential oil is really really quite magical and the properties for this one is that it says it forget, protects against oversensitivity and being overly impacted by other people's emotions. With the state of our world right now emotions are high and there is a lot of tension and some people are expressing that in very assertive ways and so if we find that we're seeing that and it's starting to make us feel agitated patchouli can help us by being overly impacted by that sort of stuff and again it's perfect for times like these when we may be a little bit more challenged to get centered and to clear that space. The next one is one that I kind of just picked because it's one that I am reaching for a lot. I've fallen in love all over again with this oil when reading the description of what it is. Uh, ylang ylang pacifies the mind dispelling stubbornness and anger and instead creating feelings of peace. Again, I put that here because I think it's kind of kind of typical from what I've been hearing from from people that they're having looking to have more feelings of peace. Maybe, you know, you're feeling some anger or frustration for some of the things that have been coming on coming at us since you know since last spring all through summer and now here we are and maybe a bit of stubbornness so you don't have to change your way of doing your way of being but if you can have an oil that will help you get out of your head and replace stubbornness and feelings of agitation with peace well you know what when you clear space in your mind, you're also clearing space. You're also creating time, time to think about and to do things that you actually really love and enjoy. So that's what I find interesting about learning and reading about the properties and the constituents of these oils. And I really like how um, on their own, they work great. But also when you start looking and learning how to create blends and can really create something really, really powerful in a roller bottle. So what do you think? Is this stuff interesting? I think it's fascinating. And I love learning about the new combinations. And you know, it goes way beyond just aromatic use. I also really love it when I can help someone else to discover how oils can absolutely bless their life in so many ways. So if you're someone that is currently experiencing more anxiousness than feels right, and if it's having a negative effect, and, and as you're listening to this, if you think that you can attribute some of the way that you're thinking to, or pardon me, some of the ways that you're feeling 
to maybe being overthinking or spending too much time in your head, if you would like to be able to create that space of a quiet mind and would like to give these oils a try, see, explore, find out just a little bit more about essential oils and aromatherapy, why not? What have you got to lose? I offer free um, confidential consults over the phone or Zoom where we can identify where you're at and why and we can work together to select which oils could best support you. 2021 is the year that we can take back our vision of how we want to live our lives and how we can strive to be the very best versions of ourselves. (music) 